open mic with me, Mike Creed, your host. This week on the podcast, Levi Lefmeyer. Everybody knows Levi, everybody knows his history, everybody, um, everybody, you, you know about Levi. And he, he, as far as I know, he hasn't talked to any other media outlet. Um, and he chose to talk to me, and I really appreciate that. So I, I really feel like you're going to enjoy the conversation. We sat outside uh, at a restaurant in Santa Rosa, uh, so that'll explain some of the background noise. He also paid for lunch which or dinner, which I felt really embarrassed about because I asked him to do it to you know, meet me. So I definitely owe him a dinner. Um... This week's podcast, like the other weeks, sponsored by Carter Cyclist. They've been really good uh, supporter, and you guys have been absolutely amazing. Um, I noticed when you guys uh, tag me and Carter Cyclist, and you thank them. Um, I can't. I can't. There's no way for me to show my appreciation more. I'm gonna give out more gifts and prizes, just random stuff that I have. Um, you know, probably more cycling clothing or gear. Um, different, just with different odds and ends that I have laying around the house. I, to be honest, I haven't actually had a chance to mail the other prizes yet, but I'll definitely get to that. Um, also, going back to Levi, um, you know, I, I have had some questions with people like, oh, why are you talking to this guy? Why are you talking to that guy? I don't like that guy. And I appreciate that everybody has their own taste. Um, but more important than your own taste is the fact that somebody has... Uh, trusted me with an hour of unedited audio and uh, I think that's it's a it's the biggest compliment that somebody can give me you know a guy with the, the amount of uh, history and and accomplishments and turmoil that Levi's gone through that he would trust me and at the very least um, if you don't want to listen to that particular podcast feel free you know it's not gonna hurt my feelings but uh, I think at least you should appreciate that if you're a fan of me, that this guy trusted me. And with that being said, um, here's Levi. Thank you. You guys have it real easy. I never had it like this where I grew up. But I send my kids here because the fact is you go to one of the best schools in the country. Rushland. Now, for some of you, it doesn't matter. You were born rich and you're going to stay rich. But here's my advice to the rest of you. Take dead aim on the rich boys. Get them in the crosshairs and take them down. Just remember, they can buy anything, but they can't buy that one.
suffering, echinacea buffering, we aim to remember what we choose to forget, God's just a baby. What's that? Oh, it's on the way back to Boulder. Yeah, on the way back to Boulder. Oh no, so I live in Copper Springs anyway, so. Oh right, that's right. Um, You're the one guy. There you go. Pete, Pete's still holding out. Oh, is he there too? Yeah, yeah. Um, He's always been there, right? Yeah, so have I. Did you guys grow up in St. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, we grew up. Like, I met Pate when I was 14. Not before that? No, no, maybe, maybe 13 or 14. We, but no, he was two years. We wouldn't have been in the same class anyway. Let's start with some Ruska. Thank you. Okay. No, we wouldn't have been in the same class anyway. He's a couple years older than me, but um, he was yeah, across town. Same town, different schools. Yeah. But uh across the tracks. Across the tracks. He was in the he was a little bit more on the redneck side of the track. <laughs> really? If there's a different difference in Colorado Springs. Which How's I don't he think there's doing is. now. I haven't seen him in a while. He's alright, man. I think he got renewed by Scott. Good. Yeah. But no, the team um the team needed the car in Vegas and then they asked me if I wanted to do it. Oh, okay. But you know, there's so much time between now and Interbike. And I'm like, yeah, just do whatever you want to do in between here and then, so. you have your bike with you? Yeah, I got a mountain bike. Cool. Yeah, I still ride. Where, where did you stay last night? Oh, with my sister in Lincoln. Where's that? It's just north of Sac. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I grew up there. That's where I grew up, was just north of Sac. Oh, you didn't grow up in Colorado Springs? No, so, like, I moved to uh, Colorado Springs when I was, like, 13, 13, oh, 14. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, now, now it makes sense. So that's why I was. Thank you. So yeah, so that's where I was. So then, I was, that's when I sent you that email from Butte. I had no idea that your brother was from Butte. I don't know what before I grew up. So I then, I asked somebody else about it, and they're like, no, his bike shop, his brother owns a bike shop. And I'm looking out the window, and there it is. So I went in the morning, <laughs> went for a little spin, and then... Yeah? No way, that's funny. And I came by and... Did you introduce yourself to my brother? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. He just looked at me, he just... Cold stone me and he's like, I know who you are. He did? Yeah, just cold stone, <laughs> no emotion. Like I didn't know if he was gonna throw a hand or shake it. Like No, why would he do that? I don't know, but it was just so quick and immediate, you're like, I know who you are. Like jerk or No, he's buddy. just the, his nickname is Switchy, so he's like super ultra businessman. Yeah. And then he just has this reputation for being a wild person. Really? Yeah. That's great. So his friends. He has like a Canadian Switchy. accent almost. You notice that? Well, it's Montana. Is that the Montana thing? Probably, Just so yeah. close. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. No, man. He's got a lot of your stuff up there. It's like yeah. a little Levi shrine. Do you ever go back? or? Um, last time I was there, we, we were filming for that documentary that we made. Right. And that was... Shit, when was that? It was like two years ago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Are you happy with how that came out? Yeah. Yeah. That, you know, the part about the whole USADA thing was tricky to do because it was, yeah. we filmed it before USADA yeah. announced all that stuff. And it was hard to, it was the first time that I'd spoken about it, like besides my my friends and my lawyers. And sure. Stuff. So that was hard. So yeah, if I look back at that, I was like, oh, I could probably do that better. But at the same time, it's pretty raw and I was like super uncomfortable about it. So I think that was. <coughs> What do you think you... That was good. What would you want to do different? Uh, well, 
I mean, it's a process. I mean, even two years from now, I'd probably look back and, and sure. be better at it. Sure. Because there's a lot of learning and acceptance about what all, everything that happened. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you gain perspective. Because I was thinking, I was thinking about it a lot. You know, um, I always over, I always overthink things. But uh, yeah, I so, think that's normal. I think a lot of people do that. Yeah. So I was trying to put myself in in your shoes. And I was imagining, because you know how you could point guys out in the peloton who enjoy the process, who are really like mm -hmm. methodical about process. They, that you kind of. I think that's pretty rare, actually. Yeah, but I could tell that you love the process of yeah. training, and you like training, you like the diet, you like the equipment, you like seeing it all come together, you like seeing those improvements. Because I think you only get that when you really love the sport. You right. really enjoy it. So you do this, and you podium the Tour de France, Olympic medals, all this. Yeah. And then, like, you do this thing that is, like, in theory, better for the sport. Like, you're the betterment of the sport, and you come clean or whatever, and then then you're out of it, like, all of a sudden. Yeah. Like, well, that had to have been, like... I mean, I hope that I wasn't going to be, but I... Sure. No, no. But... Well, I certainly, like, let's put it this way. If I had... If any of us had told the truth, that truth about what happened before that, for sure, we yeah, anyone would have been out, right? right? That was the moment where, like, okay, everybody's doing it together. Hopefully, you know, right. like, obviously, if I Strength were, if I were on Garmin, I'd still be racing, right? Or, or even BMC, right? I'd still be racing, but you know, the fact that the team that I was on and they were chasing Cavendish pretty hard. It really gave them a great out to right. free up some Great cash. excuse, yeah. Right, right. Yeah. I mean... So, I mean, you know, I, can, I can't... Is it right for me to sit here and complain about that? Because, you know, I, I broke the rules like everybody else and I got away with that, right, for a long time. Right. Even though I stopped after 2007 was the last time I broke the rules. Right. But, so, what am I supposed to do? I can't complain about it. But yeah, at the same time, but at the same time you're is, a human being. Not, yeah, exactly, but none of this is fair. You know, right. from the beginning of this order, life in general, it's just not fair, so yeah, I can't complain about it. I don't know. I don't think that's necessarily... I mean, I think people appreciate that you say that. Oh, hold on. Cheers, by the way. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks for making your way down to San Jose. Oh, no worries. Thanks for having me. Um, I think people appreciate that you have that, like... You're like, okay, I can't really complain, but it's still like a. I think there's a difference between not like complaining publicly and like still having that emotion of just like, fuck, dude, st I still love the sport. Like, I still. How do you yeah. go from like but you chasing know, like, Grand Tours when to. I, when I watched the Tour de France this year, I didn't miss that at all. You didn't feel anything? No. I no. mean, the travel, I was sick of the travel, and I was. You know, the sport, like the tour especially, is getting more dangerous, more stressful. Yeah. Um, and I felt like, I don't know, I, ne I needed a break. I really needed a break. I was looking forward to it for a long time. That's not to say that I'd love to still race my bike and maybe, you know, I'll miss it more and more. But I, I get out there and ride every day. Yeah. And that's really what I love, like you said before. Yeah. That's what I enjoy. And, and if that were taken away, that would really suck. So I'm grateful to have my health that I can still do that. Yeah. Do you think... When... When you saw, like, okay, like, maybe, like, the first domino was, like, Floyd or whatever, like, when that whole thing started going, did you, like... 
I think the first domino was Kale Leo Grant. That's what everybody says. That's what all those like things That's, happen. I, I heard the story straight from Travis Tiger. He told me the whole story. Okay, but like yeah. maybe the first domino that you knew of, because nobody really knew the Kale Leo Grant thing when it. When but it that first triggered everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. To think that because he didn't throw out his trash. It's, he didn't throw out his trash. That's exactly what it was. What blows my mind is it had to have been pretty expensive trash. <laughs> I don't know why. I guess. I guess. I mean. <laughs> I but um, yeah. why did um? It is. It's funny to think about that. I mean, was it like the butterfly effect? You know? Like yeah. It's just it doesn't make. Yeah. But. So you. I'm trying to figure out how to say it. Like how. When you see all this happening, like it starts happening, like. Tigers getting involved, feds are getting involved. Like, what point are you just like? Was there a point where you're like, "Fuck"? Like, yeah, oh yeah, for sure. I mean, like this is I'm gonna have to get some things in order. Yeah, when they started, well, then Floyd, you know, that whole thing, he he stirred the pot. Or at the time, it, it seemed like it was him, but now we know the story that he he was just caught up in it as well. Yeah. He he went for it. He definitely went for it, right? He told the truth and, and wasn't he wasn't uh, conservative about you know his approach. Let's say <laughs> he, he came out guns blazing, and so that started. And it was like, whoa, this is weird. And then all of a sudden there was talk about a, a federal investigation. Like, is this just made up? I mean, right. this is crazy, but. You know, after what happened with Balco, we're like, okay, this is probably going to happen, and uh, uh, yeah, I got a subpoena <laughs> to go to the grand jury, and I was like, wow, I'm just a bike racer, you know? Yeah, yeah. This is crazy. I think what people don't, like, appreciate is before, like, the federal, like, because before this, before the federal investigation, it's never happened before in this war. So people say, like, oh, uh, why would people do this? Why would this happen? Like... How can you go down this road? I don't think people appreciate that this wasn't even a th an implication. This wasn't even a consideration that this would happen. No. Like. Well. I mean, like, I mean now, it, now it seems like. Yeah. Thank you very much. Oops. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you. Any cracked pepper? I'll have a little. Yeah, and you know, when you're faced with that, it's like, you tell the truth. There's no... Yeah. It's just, that was an easy, easy yeah. choice. You saw what happened to like Marion Jones and stuff. Yeah. And you're just like, fuck this, I'm not going yeah. to jail, dude. No, well, yeah. that would be ridiculous, right? Right, I mean, right, right. It's not the worst thing that could happen, just telling the truth and... Yeah. And, you know, hopefully with, with everything that came out, it paints, it really paints the picture of what the sport was like. Yeah. And hopefully people can can understand that, you know, and, it, and yeah. I don't think that everybody who chose to dope is a bad person or whatnot, but... No, man, I know a lot of bad people who don't dope. Yeah. <laughs> I know a lot of assholes <laughs> yeah. who don't dope. Yeah. So... It's not the... Uh, but it's, it's so much, there's so much gray area, you know, it's not black and white. And it always tries to, I think people try to distill it down to black and white when you read articles or yeah. or whatever.
it's it's just not like that. Well, I think it's. I think there's a main reason that for doing the podcast is to try to. I think when you do, um, like an interview that goes into print or to text, it's very easy for to, to pull one sentence out and then people can get really angry about that one yeah, sentence. Yeah, out of context. Sure, sure. Absolutely. I mean, and even better yet, you know, when you when you talk on video, especially. Yeah. Audio is, is the next step, and then video adds another dimension to it that people can connect and understand a little bit more. Also, too, I I think that the kind of person who would listen to like a, a ninety minute or one hour podcast isn't necessarily the kind of guy who's going to be like a hothead either. I think like those trolls on the internet, like they're really just pretty much about like scanning an article real briefly. You don't think they listen to your podcast? By and large, I've gotten. The only complaint is for audio, like the lack of quality audio. And again, you haven't paid anything for it. I don't have a lot of money, so yeah. I, there's only so much I could sound do. Sound studio. That the, the conversation wouldn't be as good, by the way. Yeah. No, I mean, some of I got Ted King like hilariously drunk in the middle of the tour in Colorado, and it was a great podcast. Really? Yeah. I tried getting David Miller drunk, but he he was pretty clever. He like scheduled the the podcast before dinner. Huh. So like. I got him kind of drunk, but he wanted to eat more, so it didn't really work out as great. <laughs> um, what do you, like, alright, so I just retired a few months ago, and I, th I, I thought a lot about, like, oh, how am I going to miss cycling, how am I going to miss, I was a little worried, right? Yeah, big adjustment. Big adjustment. But I, I don't miss much, man. Like, I don't miss a whole lot about it. What do you, what do you miss? Um... You know, I, I, this whole thing's made me realize what what I love about this sport, and I realize that I can still do the things that I love. I can still go ride my bike, and I can still go push myself, and I can suffer, mm -hmm. and I love to do those things. I mean, we all like to like push ourselves, or even you know, competition. I do some mountain bike races, and well, it's you know, local stuff where. I don't often get pushed, for example. Like there's sure. you know, there's nobody there really pushing me, but it's still I still go out there and push myself. Yeah. And I love that about it. Is it weird like plopping down forty eight dollars to race? <laughs> just like No, not at all. I mean, I think I'm happy to. You know, I mean I see you know, I know the bike monkey guys here and they put on all these races that mm -hmm. I do. And I see the the work they put into it and they're not they're not making yeah. you know, they're not making millions from this. They're doing honest work, and so yeah, they might not even be making thousands. Yeah, well, they're pretty good at what they do. They might are make they? thousands. Yeah. Are they? yeah, but um, because I think what I miss the most, it, yeah. I miss like having. If I miss, I think that exhausted, tired feeling that you get from a race. Like yeah. for me, at least, like it was the only time that I was really like mentally. It turns your your brain off. Right? Yeah. You're not overthinking stuff. Yeah, at that yeah. Point. It was the one time that I was like really mentally sound and relaxed and. Uh, listen, I mean, you know, like for example, the past week I haven't been able to ride as much. I've been traveling, and, and it's like your body it needs it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've done this for you know, I was a pro for 17 years. And, <laughs> You know, it took obviously it took years to get to that point. So we're talking about like three decades of hard-ass work, where you're, yeah, you change your DNA. You really do. Yeah. So your body's like addicted to that that beating that you give it, mm -hmm. and so it's gonna take me a while. You know, I've, I've 
dedicated most of my life to being able to like go fast on a bike and being able to perform the best I can. And it's I realize it's really hard for me to just let that go because yeah. I really love that and I work so hard at that. And yeah. I don't need to be in the tour on TV to to to, to showcase. But do you need a, do you need like a goal though? Do you need like because for sometimes oh, yeah. I felt like I needed to be almost put into a corner. Yeah. I was like, this is coming up next day. Yeah, absolutely. You need a goal for sure. Yeah. Wait. I use my high power editing skills with light for light. It's out of the way. Did we mention we're doing this interview in, in uh, Iraq? It's really nice of you to go to Afghanistan and entertain yeah. the troops. <laughs> Not pulling out. <laughs> Hey, I race bikes! <laughs> Great. We're getting shot at yeah. every day. Yeah. Did you ever see that documentary, uh, Restopo? Restopo? Restrepo. Restrepo, yeah. Yeah. That was pretty heavy. There's one called uh, Armadillo, and it's by Danish soldiers. The Danish, like, when they're part of, like, the American coalition, they go over there. Yeah. That one... Because American uh, government censors a lot of the war footage. The okay. Danish didn't censor any of it. Wow. And Armadillo is so intense, I would I would have to pause it, get up, and walk around the room. Really? Dude, I mean, the stuff they, they get into, like... There's basically full-on firefights with dudes with GoPros on their helmet. Holy cow. I mean... Like, it's just, it makes you realize, like, old school warfare. Go back to being a cyclist. I think one of the luxuries we have being a professional cyclist is that we get to live our life as ignorantly as we wish. Yeah. We don't have to <laughs> turn on the bubble. TV. Yeah. You don't know what's going on. You're just, like, focused on GC and how many climbs are tomorrow. Yeah. It's really just yeah. the most. Not in the real world at all. Oh, it's. So lacking any kind of real world merits. Yeah. But back to it, like what it, I miss. Uh, what I think I'm going to miss most about cycling is, um, besides being living an exceptionally ignorant life, <laughs> is I miss like transforming my body. Like I really, I'm gonna have a hard time with that. You know, like I miss being really lean. And you're still pretty lean. Yeah. Just. I don't see any difference. Oh, uh, well... Of course, we're here in normal clothes. In normal yeah. clothes, yeah, yeah. The legs are definitely a little softer. Yeah. I think that... It's such a weird thing, because, like, that was, like... I mean, okay, you have an SRM that tells you how many watts you're doing, but it's also, like, for... Since I was 17, you give yourself an eye check in the mirror, you know? You do a little mirror check. Yeah. And, like, I don't know how you just stop, like, yeah. doing... I, I can't. There's no way. I'll never stop riding my bike. Did you ever get into, like, any weird food things? Like, uh, I didn't go too crazy. I mean, you know, I tried. I think it's like well, this weird taboo that like, cause especially with guys, because guys aren't supposed to have eating disorders, right? Like, it's not a masculine thing to have. Yeah. But it's funny because then you just hang around pro cycling long well, but enough. But in our world, it kind of is almost. It is. Like, but, oh, he's but, so skinny, man. He's hardcore. 
Yeah, but like at the same time, like nobody will own it, right? So you'll be like, they'll have a salad, and you'll be like, "What's up, dude? You just on the regime?" And they say like, "Oh no, I'm gonna have some bread or pasta later." But you know, they never do. Yeah. You know the one guy, uh, Bajadali. Bajadali was the one guy who I saw turn an eating disorder into a masculine thing. Because we'd be in the van like after race, and he's like, "I'm gonna do, dude. I'm just gonna go back. I'm gonna eat. Uh, I'm gonna eat some watermelon." And salad, and that's it, dude. I'm gonna lean the fuck down. And it was, it was kind of funny because you're like, oh. more like the bodybuilder mentality. Right, yeah, right. Yeah. And it was funny. You're so used to that, like, passive aggressiveness about it. Yeah. Is that yeah. yeah, yeah. Or this is the trick I would do. If you, my trick was if you knew the rider, uh, if you're ordering food and you knew the rider who's ordering before you was gonna order a salad, if you knew this. You would tease him the whole time before he ordered, like, what are you going to do, dude? Just going to order a salad? What do you, just, just a salad tonight? And so you'd you torture eat, him? You'd make him, and he would make excuses, like, oh, I don't know, maybe I'll get this or that. Sure enough, he orders the salad. After you've been parading him for five or ten minutes. And then when she comes to you, you just say, oh, I'll have the salad. Yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was my little trick of letting him know that I'm with him. Oh. Uh, <laughs> You're such a dick. <laughs> yeah, but I, I hope people understand that it's like a dick and a, it's a sign of affection. More yeah, than yeah, that's all. That's all good fun. That's good play. Like I don't deal really good with most emotions, so my way of showing up still very schoolyard. Yeah. <laughs> um. So what are you doing? What are you doing now? Like, so you said you were traveling. Where were you traveling? Oh, I actually went and did uh, this. The Malibu Triathlon. Oh shit! Really? Well, I did the bike leg, and it was the celebrity Dude, that's division. Cheating. Come no, on. it was a relay team. But get this, this is funny. So there's a celebrity edition, sure, right? Sure. We started all like ten minutes behind uh, the amateurs and the pros or whatever. Sure. And um, you know, most of the teams are there's like a team from The Office. It's like Toby. And, Come on, really? Yeah, it was pretty cool. And there's some other actors, and there was like a, a daytime soap team. And, L.A. news crew team that reminded me of Ron Burgundy, Anchorman, you know? Yeah. And then my team, get this, is uh, Sonny Garcia, ex-pro surfer. He does the swim. Great. So not too bad there. Yeah. I do the bike. Yeah. And then Max Longre, uh, German guy, ex-Ironman world champion, does the run. Jesus. We beat everybody. Even, sure. Even the... Pro-Am field. Like, how much faster was your time than everybody else's? In the celebrity division, it was like 18 minutes faster. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, dude. Were you riding a TT bike? Oh, yeah. Oh, you just, just went for it. Just you just went for it. I didn't have a TT helmet or a skin suit, but the bike, and it was fun. The PCH was, like, kind of closed off on sure. both sides, so you got to rip that. And Such a SoCal <laughs> thing to do. The celebrity. So I spent a, a few days down there. I rode. First time I rode in Malibu, which is... Got great roads. Good. It's uh, I spent the last two years training there in the winter. And I don't know why. I, I mean, I, I guess it's a little bit cost prohibitive at some point, but I don't know yeah. why more pros don't train. Like, I would stay up in Oxnard, so it was like a 30 minute ride to the oh, mountains. There you go, yeah. Or like West, doesn't Zabriski live in Westlake? Yeah, so he's right at the base. Yeah, I mean, that's great training there. It's unbelievable. You get maybe four canyon roads time all together. Mm hmm. What do you think about the corners is coming around, man? Does that like make you think like, shoot, dude, I should have kept racing, like, <laughs> or I should get back into it? Are, are you like totally 100%? Uh, 
done? Yeah, does like stuff seem like Horner, Horner keep going? Does that make you go like, fuck? Uh, He's older than me. I think I'll bite my tongue on that one. Right. <laughs> you know what's, <laughs> you know what's funny? Is I remember, uh, so we did tour of California one year. Yeah. It was the year you broke your femur. Oh, well, I got hit by the car. No, I broke my uh, fibula. Fibula. Much, much different. Uh, yeah, no, <laughs> you broke your femur, you're done. The fibula is like a tiny little bone on the side that, oh, no, okay. it's not weight-bearing. So you broke that, you hit by a car in Spain. Yeah. Um, and you came up to me one day, you were super pissed, you were livid. I was? Yeah, and I was like, what's up, dude? And he's like, you said that Horner basically mentioned that you might be faking your injury. Oh, yeah. Well, did he really do it? Well, that's what I that's what I heard, yeah. He said I was faking Oh, he didn't it. say it to you? No, he didn't say it to me. What did he say? What did you hear, the weird rumor? Well, he said it, in the, he said it in the press or something. Like, oh, okay. I was, I, I was playing possum. Sure. Because I was skinny, but, you know. Because you were skinny. Yeah, you know, when you're injured and you're freaked out about not being able to train, you're like, oh, I better not eat. Yeah, I'm just... <laughs> just fucking arugula salads for the Basically next Basically probably lost weight while I was resting. Cause I didn't that happens a lot of time, yeah. man. Yeah, huh. so... But no, I was I was out of shape, for yeah. sure. And the problem was I really wanted to do well in California, so I tried to come back too fast, and then I was pretty good in Switzerland. I got third, and then I was done for the tour. You just come back too hot? Come back too fast, yeah. Uh, uh. You know, when you have a big break from an injury and you try I don't know I couldn't come you just force it yeah, yeah you, you force, force it because you're fresh and so you go out there and smash yourself which is the wrong thing to do yeah you need to just you don't you gotta build overload. it up slow you know yeah so did you watch the tour at all this year oh yeah not yeah. every day not every day you know uh, I watch a lot of bike racing I, you know I fast forward through a lot of stuff but I yeah, have to, man. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I think like a lot of the um, plus it's like listening to the commentators. Sometimes you got to turn the volume down. <laughs> it's fun. I try to give them the benefit of the doubt because they have to talk for four hours a day. Yeah, and for sure. I think at the end of it, you're gonna have to just say nonsense. <laughs> but there are times like, so I think especially um, race announcers, like when you at the at the race. Yeah. When they try to make it, um, I don't know, I feel like they're trying to make it like a, uh, a carnival or like a WWE event. Or oh, like yeah. NASCAR or <laughs> something. You know, like, I feel like they almost, they put on the radio voice and they start talking like, and when Jens Boyd attacks, you know, like yeah. that whole... Is this what you're experiencing now that you're more around it? Because, I, mean, I, I, I mean, I always experienced it. Because when I was racing, you never hear that because, like... You uh, maybe at the start. No, yeah. So I would always notice it at the start of yeah. like this is fucking ridiculous. Like nobody's even listening to you. This is just background noise. You could be saying. Uh, but it would be weird if nobody was talking. But you go to those races in Europe and all. It's just Manjas, just like. But Manjas, he, he doesn't try to make the race about him. He's just talking. Yeah. He's not trying to draw attention to himself that necessarily. Guy, that guy's an encyclopedia. He's crazy. He knows. He I mean, really it's impressive. Good. He knows everybody's results. Yeah. I mean, he gets stuff wrong, but like. Yeah, yeah. That's understandable. Yeah. He knows yeah. thousands of riders on their results. Yeah. I, I mean. So you always hear about Daniel Manjas, and he's doing these races and that races, and you always see him at the big races. And I think I was, when I first went to Europe, like, with under 23, we did, like, a, back when they had, like, 1.12s. Like, I don't think they have those races anymore, but, like, 1.12s. Dude, they were, like, some crazy numbers. <laughs> they don't have 1.12s. Dude, back then, they had weird-ass numbers. Like, <laughs> what is that, like, 
So Newlingen in Belgium. It was with the fourteen-year-olds. It was, <laughs> it was the amateurs could race with Division three professionals. Oh, okay. It was some. They had all these weird Sounds categories. Sounds like a course. Basically, which by the way are super hard. Yeah, the hardest races nobody in the world gives a fuck about. Yeah. <laughs> like, if you want it, you're basically a stud, but you couldn't get a contract anywhere. <laughs> yeah, it's like the tree falling in the forest. But nobody <laughs> you might it. as well. <laughs> yeah. But then, so we're doing like these no nothing races, and like. Thank you very much. You that was great. Did you get the scallops? Yeah. Oh, yes, please. Did Thank you, you. want to nibble on the bruschetta or? Oh, yeah. It's okay. Oh, did, you have, did you have some left? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Take it. Thank you. Thank Create you. a little room for you. Thank you. All right. Thank you very much. Anything else at the moment, gentlemen? Would you like another beer? Uh, I'm okay for now. Thanks. Okay. All right. Bon appetito. Thank nice. you. But then, yeah, then Daniel Manjas is like there. This fucking guy just doesn't go home, man. <laughs> I don't think he has a home. He's just pocketing all this money, living out of hotels. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's legendary, you know? No, but yeah, I just think sometimes the, um, the announcers try to make it a little bit about them more um, inner. I, I don't know. I kind of like the American flair that the announcers bring. Yeah. You know, like Dave and Brad. I mean, I think they do, I think they do a good job. I think it's hard. What they do. I think it's. I think they're doing what they know how to do. Yeah, and they're 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 having fun. They're not trying to. I don't know. Preach their message or whatever. <laughs> right. <laughs> Maybe I'm just like selfish. Maybe I'm just like don't stop making about you. Let's talk about the riders some more. You know, honestly, I uh. I mean, I always heard him at the start, but that was it. Yeah. Get ready to launch these guys into orbit. Right, right. Dave's signature. Or like it's on like Donkey Kong. Like yeah. you, like you fucking created that. You didn't even. You're just stealing a hack line at that <laughs> point. Like. I heard him come up with some original stuff though. I can't think of it right now, but. I say it with all the love in the world to Dave Full. Yeah. But it's on like Donkey Kong. Yeah, that's true. Plagiarism, right? <laughs> More or less. What's it like? Uh, what's it like this year at the races? What's the tone after all the crap that's gone on? I mean, uh, I heard Bissell's gone. Like that sucks. Dude. Yeah, they're gonna go to the. Oh, um, that's right. They're taking over Long Trainer, right? Right. They announce that yet? I don't think so, but I think it's like okay. one of those open secrets. Announce it on your podcast. <laughs> sure. I don't give a fuck. I have no allegiance to them. <laughs> you know how you keep a secret? How? Don't tell anybody. <laughs> if you want a shit to be a secret, you probably shouldn't have told anybody. That's true. <laughs> I know. I met. I hate bike racing secrets. Bike racing secrets are the best. They're like, hey man. Don't tell anybody. Yeah, right. <laughs> and they're like, I don't even really like you that much. But I'm going to tell you anyway. <laughs> yeah. Like, hey man, don't tell anybody. It's like, well, fucker, you can't keep this secret. Why is it on me now? <laughs> like, why is this my obligation to carry this? That's true. I never thought of it that It way. seems like you have a hard time holding on to it. <laughs> Human and nature. the person who's telling you is never, like, somebody special. It's never your wife or, like, a girlfriend. Just some guy, you know. You're like, it's just human nature. Sure, but then don't preface it with, "Hey, keep it, 
between us. Here's a good one. That's a good point. Here's a good one. The, uh, so one day I'm riding in Girona. This rider comes up to me. I ran, in, ran into him incidentally. Rider Hedgedal? No, a rider. A rider. A rider. Oh, okay, we're going to keep it secret. For now. <laughs> People, I think it won't be hard to guess. Okay. Can I guess? Yeah, you could probably guess. Okay. And this guy goes, uh, hey, how's it going, blah, blah, good, good. And I swear to God, I don't even know how the topic came up. It was just like, I, I, in my mind's eye, I know I have revisionist history, but in my mind's eye, I didn't bring up anything to do with it. Mm -hmm. But he goes, oh yeah, well, I just got back from Italy. Like, oh, what are we doing in Italy? Ah, well, don't tell anybody. <laughs> So he's dying to tell you. Don't tell anybody, but uh, I'm not working with so-and-so anymore. I'm working with Ferrari. And I go, oh, okay. And he's like, yeah, but don't tell anybody. I'm like, yeah, all right. Like on, like out of a movie, like 2K later, he goes, oh, hey, I'm turning left here. I'm like, well, I'm going straight. And he's like, okay, see you later. I immediately run in to Zabriskie and Floyd. Okay. And I just immediately say, Do you know what yeah. this fucking dick just told me? <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> the great example is just spreads. Yeah, and he's they they started dying laughing. I was like, Why would he think I would keep that secret? Like I don't I don't even have his phone number on my phone. Like that's how not close we are. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Honestly I can't I think the most screwed up part about that time was that you can get Ruhifnol over the counter in Spain. I did not know that. Oh, I did. <laughs> <laughs> Tell you, I had a lot of early nights. I can't sleep. Maybe take another one of these. Wow. Yeah, they're uh... It's just like a very unhealthy place to be sometimes. Yeah, I mean they... They can prescribe the... Serious stuff over there, huh? Oh, dude, that shit over was the over counter. the counter. I didn't even get a doctor's note for that. Um, that's crazy. Yeah, it was stupid. What got me about being in Drona though was like how much of a sewing circle it is, you know, because you're so isolated. Mm -hmm. Even to the rest of Spain, it's not really close to much. Well, you're isolated, and it was a. Uh, I mean, people were friends, but it's also a hyper competitive group. Yeah, like people wouldn't. You'd only invite certain people on the rides. Yeah. It was very clickish. High school. Yeah, I noticed that. Yeah, I look back on it and I can't believe like, Because it was bad when I first went there. Was it? Oh, yeah. U.S. Postal and being the new guy. Looking back on it now, I see that it was a lot to do with the doping culture and just everything was so secretive. and. But it's not that secret. It permeated, permeated. Well, they thought it was, but yeah. No, it's not that secretive now. That's for right, sure. Right. <laughs> Answer this rumor for me. Yeah. When I got on the postal, you had to pay for your cab to Barcelona. Mm -hmm. 
rumor was that those used to be free so you could invoice them but then Dylan Casey got caught like paying for his friends cabs back and forth wow. scamming did you hear that I did not ever hear that but like I never really met Dylan Casey but I just heard that one rumor and I just forever then hated Dylan Casey because he probably cost me like three or four thousand dollars <laughs> just from giving his friends paying for his friends like invoicing his friends trips to the Barcelona airport Man, that would suck if that's true. Um, let's let's say it's true. I'm not done hating them. Okay. Let's say it's true. Let's confirm that rumor. Honestly, I didn't hear that. Ah, damn it. It could it could be true. I'm not gonna say it's not true. <laughs> when I first went to Pol Postal, Dylan was there. He was he was one of those like organizers of the clicks. Like he. Yeah. He was, you know, he's like a very sociable person and yeah. Always kind of knew what was going on, talked to everybody and he was a sewing circle. He guy. liked that, yeah. Yeah. He, he liked that. I decided early on I was like, "Oh man, that's a waste of energy. I got to focus on training and getting better." And I'm yeah. trying to be like climb we, the ladder or whatever, the social ladder. We uh, we shared in an apartment not at the same time. Remember, you lived in Ola. Yeah. And that that. Oh, did you live there too? Me and Tim Johnson in, ended up in living the, in the same apartment. In the attic. Yeah. With the roof where you'd have to walk yeah. hunched over. Yeah. So, in 2001, in the summer there, it was like 45 degrees, which is what? It's like 115. Just blazing, and you're blazing. on the you're on the fourth or fifth. Well, uh, you're on the roof. It's the attic. Yeah. So, we had this portable AC machine that just didn't do anything. Sure. But circulate the air a little bit. I think that she still had that thing in there. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and we had like rigged up drapes to cover those few windows that there were. Sure. And just sat around in our underwear. She's not moving. Yeah. Like, oh, I have to get up. I'm scared <laughs> if I get up. <laughs> I feel like... I got really skinny. <laughs> oh, man. So Pat and I lived in a smaller room, and because Tim Johnson found it, he got the big room. Right? Oh, with the uh, tub. With the tub. Yeah. With that weird tub that was in yeah. there for no place. So then... That's, that was our So room. then uh, Tim goes... Tim does... He says, oh, well, you know, um... Okay, let's say whatever the rent was. Let's say... I don't remember, but let's say it's a 1000 so instead of doing three, 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 he says, "Well, since I have the bigger room, I'll do uh, like four hundred, five, you know, a little bit like more, forty percent, or something. yeah, yeah." Um, you guys split it this way. Oh, by the way, Lynn's here, but she's not going to be here long. She's just going to be like for like a week or two. So they got there before Pat McCarty and I did, you know. So they had to do like a lot of the heavy lifting with the apartment, you yeah, know, like, get it going. You had to turn, turn on the hot water. Mm -hmm. All those things when you don't speak Spanish for the first time. Which are just no small feat. No. It. You have to find the person, communicate it to them, and at best it's going to get done in a week. Yeah. So they're taking Maniana. like... Yeah. Yeah. Maso menos. That's like the first phrase you learn is maso menos. Yeah. So, you know, they took cold showers for, you know, a few days. Sounds it's like Tim's, my wife went through. Yeah. 
Tim's first uh, extended adventure in the Europe. He's going to Pro Tour. One's behind him. And I think what happened was is they nested a little bit, you know? Like they did the Europe, like this is our European adventure, and they, they nested. Because they were there for like two weeks before Pat and, and I then showed you up. came in and just crashed the party. Oh, man. I remember, so Pat and I, Pat got there maybe an hour before I did. I show up, and within five or ten minutes, like I'm wiping tears out of my eyes. Like, like my, my sides hurt because I'm laughing so hard. And I look over, and I just see the most terrified... Scared look on Lynn's face. <coughs> but she's in the middle, middle of a bachelor pad? She's in the... Because these guys came into her wonderful European adventure mm -hmm. and were about to fuck it up something fierce. Yeah. I didn't really have the uh, maturity at the time to really like learn how to back off and relax. I thought it was... I don't know. So you made it worse? <laughs> I what? probably didn't help. <laughs> I don't know if I made it worse, but I definitely didn't cut it off at the... So what year was that? Oh four? Okay. I think you were We lived there for two years, oh one and oh two. What team were you on in oh four? Oh four I was still on Robobank. That's what team you were on, yeah. Yeah. So I remember meeting up with you one day when you um signed with Gerolsteiner. Um and the Americlime, right? I remember that. Yeah, just messing around. Yeah. I was doing my own thing. It was hard that. for me, man. I didn't like really fit in with anybody. Yeah, I was a weird kid anyway. So. Yeah, but it was hard for everybody, man. I mean, you're in a foreign country. You're in a sport that is just gnar gnarly, right? I mean, right. it's like pretty much a gladiator sport. Foreign country, you know, there's other Americans around, but there's still like this cliquish thing going on. I mean, you're on your own. Do you think the click happens just because it's like, it's all born out of insecurity, isn't it? Probably, like, yeah. Like, who is this new guy? And You kind of look for that one reason to hate somebody. They say one thing wrong and you're like, ah, oh, this guy, he doesn't get it. Yeah, I think, yeah, when you're younger, it's easier to be like that. You know, I, the older I got, yeah, I learned that, like, the, I will never forget when I first went to Postal and how hard it was. So I always tried to Especially later in my career, I was like, man, it's hard for these guys coming over. Like Matthew Boucher. One year, Johan said, we need more Americans on the team. Can you help me find it? And I had broken my wrist or something, so I was home. And so I started really paying attention to the national scene. Yeah. And I saw how Boucher was, like, ripping it up in Utah or some of those races. So I was like, I think this is the guy. And... Uh, told Johan, and Johan's like, okay, well, can you get his number, and can you talk to him, and so I tracked him down, and... Did you get 10% from this kid? No, Jeez. I didn't, no, but I'm happy to do that, because, dude, like I said, I'll never forget how it was for me. Yeah. And, uh, so I call up Matthew <laughs> Boucher, and I'm like, yeah, you know, uh, Johan's really interested in having you on board, and I've been yeah. watching you, and I think, obviously, you know, he's only been racing for, like, half a year. <laughs> right, like, right, sixth right. Sixth in Utah, right? Right. I was like, you're obviously pretty gifted, and you have a lot of potential. And there's other guys who have been on the circuit for a long time, but they're kind of stagnant. They're not yeah. gonna, you know, they're not gonna make it if they go to Europe. But it was kind of roll the dice with Boucher, and he was asking me these questions, and I was like, I was like, oh my god. He, he's like, well, when you go to the races, do your wives come with you? Do you get to room, yeah, yeah. Do you get to room with them? And he'd never been outside the country. 
Oh boy, Johan's gonna kill me if this doesn't work out. <laughs> so immediately, I felt responsible because I sure. like, re recommended sure. him, and Johan hires him, and like just based off of what I told him, I'm like, oh man, he better do something. So I told Matthew, I'm like, you know, when you come over, just don't even worry about finding a place right away. Just live with me. And by that time, Odessa was burned out on Europe, and she didn't want to. She didn't want to go over. Anymore. She didn't want to be there anymore. I was on my own, so I, it was good for me. I had company. So he lived with me for like the first half of his first year over there. So he didn't have to stress about yeah. hooking up hot water, like you said, sure, having sure. cold showers. Yeah. And um, and I felt I felt good about that because yeah. nobody did that for me. Yeah. And if more guys did that for the young guys coming up, yeah, it wouldn't be so clicky. Yeah. You know, and I guess you know you said it's about insecurity. I mean, at that time I was. Pretty secure with myself. And sure, like, I didn't sure. have to worry that he wasn't like competition or whatever. You know yeah. what I mean? I think that's what people are worried about. Is, I think. I so. mean, our jobs are it's year to year, and it's you know. Yeah, I mean, I mean, every day you go out on the bike, you're kind of testing. Yeah. It's not like. I don't. It's like you either have a good day or you don't have a good day. Like, there's how many times would you get back? And you're only as good as your last training. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and like it would really affect your mood. Oh yeah. You're like, if you came in and you flew that day, you're like, oh, you're just bounding up the stairs. You're like, yeah. gregarious. You're having a good time, you know. But if you felt like hell that day, it's like, you know, and the older you get, you, you learn to temper all that. Yeah, I think. I wonder if that's a good thing or a bad thing, though, for sporting wise. Because like, I think when you're young, you just you thrive off it. You really go well, out. You experience the highs higher you, you know I mean, yeah. you let yourself enjoy yeah. it and you express yourself more and you're less robotic yeah what was that um when you kind of had like that breakout in was it like oh three on postal when you got third in the water uh yeah oh one oh one yeah what was this? what was like that must have been an incredible high then yeah, you're so was. young you're just like you're like dropping her ass. You're like, you're supposed to be working for him, and then you almost caught him in that final day time drop. Like you're just rolling up his ass. You're just like, this must. It know. was, yeah, it was surreal. I mean, it's weird when you finally come over the hump, right? Because when you're just struggling, struggling, and then you come in there and you're there. Not only are you there, but you're like, you're better than that guy, and you're just. It must have been like a really big exhale. In a, in a yeah, at, at the time it was it was it was like a dream or a movie, you know. I mean, yeah. the last day in Madrid, rolling in and going from fifth to third on the last time trial, and yeah, just you know, I'm standing on the podium like, what the hell do I do now? They're giving me champagne. What do I do with this? Sure, sure. <laughs> it was weird. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. But it got at like the time, it was great. Yeah. It was really great. But you know, but uh, it happened. Nah, whatever. But. I mean, I like I was uh, talking with uh, David Miller about it, and even oh, in, even in his book, he was amazing that in that Volta. Yeah, yeah. But, Sorry, even, but I don't want to no, derail it, but but even in his book, like I think you could still uh, how you say it, like even though whatever was going on uh, during the race, like uh, with PEDs, like yeah. Well, he supposed he he supposedly like you know really uh, apologetic about it you know like in some of these chapters how he really regrets doing it whatever but then later in the book he talks about like how fast he was going and how much he was flying and you can tell he really enjoyed it. 
So I think there's still a part of you that really enjoys, like... You can't not, man. You enjoy going fast on a fucking bike. Yeah, absolutely. But even at that time, like... Like, I, to get back to the point was just... Like, with Boucher, it's like... I think when you finally come into your own, like, Boucher at California that one year, like... Yeah. Just, it has to be... To know that you're going to get a contract. It's going to get a, a raise. You, you're not... It has to be... Uh, well, the critical time for him was, was that first year and the first half of that year. I mean, you, your first time out of the country, you're on the pro tour, you know, top level of the sport. You, you move to Spain. Yeah. You're, you're with, like... I mean, it's, it's a brutal sport, like I said before. I mean, it's cutthroat. If you have to deal with setting up a house and, you know, yeah. hot water and all that, dude, it's hard. And that's not the time you should be doing it. You should be super focused just to keep your head above water. It's just hyper competitive. It's oh, just hyper, so hyper competitive. Yeah. Yeah. That's I, the thing when you get over there and you you know get into the sport and you're like, this isn't little league. This is business. Yeah. And that's how I think everybody came to the decision to dope because it was like it took it all. It took that emotional sort of this is not the right thing to do aspect out of it it's like yeah. I guess this is part of it I guess yeah. you know yeah. it's this or we go home and it was it was a tough choice yeah I I know it was it was just I I guess I I think that people don't understand the uh, how lonely and isolated you can get from it like being over there I like not real world I'm still in Beirut yeah <laughs> I don't know. Oh, you know what it is? The hospital is right here. Somebody's fucked up. How did uh, Odessa just got burned out on Europe? Or what happened? Yeah, I mean, it's just as hard as it is for a cyclist or like for us to go over there and, and yeah. set up. I mean, she wasn't a professional anymore. She was basically, you know, working for me. Yeah. And she worked her ass off. Yeah, she was isolated by herself. Yeah. You know, I mean, I can't believe she made it. She was there for, we did the like, whole year for a good seven, eight years. Do even, like, the riders' wives get pretty clicky? Uh, yeah, I, I think so. Yeah, for it's sure. It's bound to if the riders, yeah. if the husbands are, one's not liking the other. Then. Right, well, not everybody's going to get along. Yeah. I think that happens for sure. It's just funny that you like you have like at root the same culture. You head over there and then just from when I was there you see like, oh well this wife doesn't like that one wife and so there's like these groups of wives and it's like we're all like living yeah so far from home. Yeah. You can just pretend for a little bit just to have a pleasantness. I think sometimes we crave like that divisiveness. Like, well, I think, like you said, there was a lot of insecurities. Yeah, yeah. Well, if, like, one of the husbands was doing really well and they're making a lot of money, it's probably weird. Yeah. She's going to hear about it. Yeah. It's like, probably the same as an office job, I bet. I think this whole experience, like, in the end, it makes it makes you a better person because you realize what's important. Like, you got to be nice to people. Do you, you, know, you do you look back at, say, look back at like Levi in two thousand one, two thousand two, like, 
Zer. Do you, do you still know who that guy is? Because, like, I look back at who I was around that time, and I have no fucking idea who that kid was, man. Yeah. Like, I'm so not that guy anymore. And. I don't know. That's a good question. Um, I was pretty focused. You know, it's just, it was. I think I just. That's a good question. I, you know, there's a story that I haven't told too many people this, but it's a good one. When I went to Postal in 2000, and it was year-to-year contract, you know, yep. not making much money, and having a place to rent here in the U.S. and a place to rent in Spain. It was pain in the euro. Yeah, we were losing money, yeah. you know, like yeah. barely making it. Yeah, the euro was was coming like, up. It was like a buck sixty at that time. It was fucked. Um, I think actually the euro started in around 2000. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, yeah, at the time, it was only like 80, 80 oh. cent euros to the okay. dollar. But it quickly went up. Yeah. But I remember at the end of 2000, I went into uh, Mark Gorski's office here in, in the Bay Area. He was the general manager yep. of the team. I remember. And um, this was like end of October. I still had to sign a contract. Yeah. And I did okay my first year. I actually won a time trial in Franco-Belge and mm-hmm. was like seventh in midi lead. You know, it was it was decent. I showed that I could... Again, like some of the hardest races that like for some reason nobody, nobody cares about. Yeah. You know, like, dude, I won Franco-Belge and they're like, yeah. they're like, no, you don't understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's super hard race. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yeah. And, and it, you know, that race is in October with sideways rain. Yeah. So anyway, I go in there and, and I'm you know giving him my pitch, right? I'm like yeah, yeah. I'm standing up to the boss, you know, like, oh, here you go. I'm gonna be I'm yeah. gonna be a good rider. And I remember that year Tyler won the Dauphiné, and I just I knew inside myself I was like I can win the Dauphiné someday. I can win races like that. I'm telling him this. Yeah. Like, you know, the first year went okay considering. I mean, it's my first year over there, and giving this big pitch, and I, I mean, just never forget it. He was like, you know, it's. It's cool that you have dreams, but it's also really important that you realize that you have that you should know your limits and be happy with just being a team player and being at the level that you are. And huh. This was all negotiation tactic, right? Yeah. Because I needed like an extra five thousand dollars to make ends meet. All this for five k. Yeah. Yeah. And just remember feeling so small when I walked out of there, and because I, I didn't get what I wanted, you know. I got another contract, which was great. But I remember thinking, man, this is just brutal. It's good as a year, and and I'll never forget it because he was like, I don't, I just don't see you winning races like the Dauphiné. I don't see you making X amount of money. And he actually named, yeah, yeah, he named yeah. a number. He right. threw it out there. Right. So a year later, I get third in the Vuelta, and, and um, I signed for Rabobank for that exact same. Really? Money, which, yeah. you know, was it was good money. Yeah. I'm not afraid to to say that, but um, he called me up and he was like, I'm so sorry. Really? Yeah, it was really That's cool. huge. It was really cool of him. What's he doing now? He I, died. Don't know. I don't know. I had dinner once at his house, like when we did one of the San Francisco things. Oh, yeah. The San Francisco race? Yeah, yeah. But, uh, and but I, you know, it was really cool of him to call me up because it, made, takes me, a lot of guts. it made me feel a lot better because that bugged me for a whole year. Dude, he just didn't want you to like going up every hill saying "fuck Marcos." <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe. I mean, he. I think he knew that he was. He was just doing it for negotiation, you know, to sharpen his skills or whatever. And yeah, it was I'm a f- good story. It, I mean, that motivated me a lot. I think because I, I knew inside myself I could do it. Yeah. 
You almost never have the upper hand though in like any kind of sports negotiations because no, you never do. they're holding their dream, your dream above you. Yeah. Like you're. Some people are just gonna walk away from their dream for five thousand dollars, and they know you can't go anywhere else. Yeah. Yeah, I'm struggling with this right now. Like, I wake up every day with twenty, thirty resumes with this team, uh, Smart Stop. Oh, and, really? And it's. <clears throat> That's. I mean, it's a, it's a small Division Three team. Like, yeah. we have a very real budget. You know, like I can't call somebody and shake them down for an extra twenty or thirty k. Yeah. So it's funny because. Like, I feel like I'm overly apologetic to the riders now, where I just tell them, like, sorry. Uh, there's no negotiation. It's not because I'm a jerk. It's just because there's literally no negotiation. Yeah. And you feel really bad for me, but the only thing you can tell them is, like, hopefully <clears throat> you get off this team. Like, hopefully I can get you to a, a better team. Yeah. But that's all it is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, maybe that was the case, you know? Maybe he just didn't have that five grand. I was a postal. He fucking money, man. <laughs> no, I just, I like to tell that story because, you know, it motivated me. Yeah. What motivated you, like... So when you asked me that question of who I was in 2001, I, Yeah. I, that's the story that comes from Were you an angry guy? Oh, yeah. 2001? You still stayed angry a lot, or no? Uh, like through 2002, 3, 4, well, 5. I mean, you know, sport was an outlet for, you know, I'm aggressive, I'm competitive. You think it came from the womb like that? Because I think a lot of people, like, I think you can come out of the womb as a, you don't necessarily need anything to happen to you, it's just your personality. Like, I think I came out of the womb, like, Maybe. complete contrarian. Yeah. Like, if I see the group going one way, I'm just like, fuck these people, they're going to their death, and I have to go left. <laughs> You know, like, I have to go the other direction. Do you think you came out of the womb just... Mm, not, like, chip on your shoulder, but, like... I don't know. I don't know. No? That's hard to say. Yeah. I don't know how you... I mean, if you know you... If you feel that inside, then you're probably right, but I don't feel like that. No. no. Where did the, like, little anger come from, then? Uh... Well, you know, I grew up in a pretty rough town. Yeah. You, you, you were just there. Yeah, it's yeah. rough, so... I didn't fit in at all. I mean, I was yeah. a bike racer in Butte, Montana. Yeah. I didn't fit in. Yeah. I called gay a lot. People threw shit at you. <laughs> they <laughs> threw shit at me, for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I grew up in a hick town, too, man. I know how it is. So maybe that was But I think that's the best thing that can happen for kids, man. I think, you know, you, you hear a lot about uh, not bullying and trying to fit in and, like, Everybody needs this thing, but I think the best thing that could happen for you is, <clears throat> like, on graduation day, you're, you're, you're looking at that town in the rearview fucking yeah. mirror with your middle finger. Well, if you have that opportunity, I mean, I was lucky to have the opportunity to to go somewhere else and do things like I've done. Yeah. I don't know if everybody has that opportunity. I mean, I guess definitely not. You could argue that you make you make your opportunity, but yeah, definitely some kids don't have it. I just don't want. I always kind of cringe when I hear people saying like, oh, you should fit in or, you know, you should accept them. And it's just like, I think kids should just be allowed to be as weird as they fucking want to be. Yeah, for sure. Just, like, well, you know, the kids are growing up. They're insecure and they need to feel like they're part of a group. And Yeah. I just wish, like, their parents would grab them and say, like, these people, like, at best, are just going to be insurance salesmen. Like... 
fuck these ham-fisted losers. Get the fuck out of town. Like, I promise I'm gonna get you. I'll get you the fuck out of here. Yeah. Just try to hold it together until then. Maybe they do. I mean, I think that'd be hard for the parents, though, because the parents live there. They chose to live there, or maybe, yeah. you know. I like how we're both talking about parents and we don't have kids. Like, we would, we would yeah. know what to do. Yeah. Dude, I just saw a TV show. I feel like I'm pretty well educated on kids. I, you know, I've got friends with kids, so I pretty much know what it's like. Yeah, yeah. I think, I mean, I went over to their house for like a half an hour. I played with the kid. Yeah. Talked to him. He's just a little adult, basically. I have found that with like little kids, the best way to do it is to put them on the back foot. So like, you just ask them a lot of questions. So they don't have a chance to ask you questions. <laughs> Rapid fire. Just yeah, you just ask them a bunch of questions. Eventually, they're gonna be like, "This fucking guy asked too many questions. I'm out of here." <laughs> <laughs> like, let's just stop bothering you. That's your tactic. Yeah, it's like this older guy is taking way too much interest. <laughs> That's funny. Um, you get some notes there. Yeah, just so I don't forget. Uh, when the Usada thing came out, like everybody was. Uh, it was like 2006 or 2007 that like every, like mm -hmm. was it like a group decision or was it independent like what made you think like oh now is like it was it was like well so as hard as it was to you know like to decide to take performance enhancing drugs which was like kind of a back and forth thing like sure. okay I'm gonna do it no it's I shouldn't do it you know sure, like sure. and eventually you get exposed to so many things that are going on you're like you justify it and it's like well if I just do a little bit sure. I'm still on the good side and yeah. so it's a slow, I'm not doing as much as this guy right exactly yeah. there's always like I mean looking back that's not really the point but at the time it was details oh, like that sure it was all the gray area yeah who was doing more than you know well I, I didn't do what he did so yeah whatever that guy's crazy he yeah, takes risks he's crazy he takes risks yeah um, so but it was like that to stop too it was like I want to stop I don't want to do this shit anymore but every you know I don't want my not performance everybody. to drop off. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to say everybody, but it's sure. pretty clear now that the picture's been painted, that's how yeah. it was. And Yeah, you don't want to be, you know, you, whatever, you built this this life for yourself, like career, or you're in this situation where, uh, okay, I'm going to stop. But at the time, it was a lot of stuff happened. Like, the Puerto thing was just a whole mess of riots. That was crazy. Yeah, and it, it was like, how whoa. like How like... CIA like Mission Impossible was it was that like your team team boss carrying a suitcase full of cash <laughs> like oh, police was Manolo size yeah yeah, yeah like well, it was always in. like you thought that in Spain and Italy they just didn't care because it right. felt like the Wild West like yeah yeah there was riders you, I mean. I remember thinking, like, some of these riders must have a, a minor in pharmacology. They know so much sure, stuff. Sure, sure. You know? Do you remember, like, uh, that one rider, that Belgian guy, like, Dave Brutlins? Oh, yeah. And his Dr. Dave. Dave. And everybody called him Dr. Dave because yeah. he knew everything. Yeah. And it was just like, I don't know, That's, it's Dr. Dave. Yeah. Exactly. So, when the Puerto thing happened, it was like, whoa, this is, this is serious stuff. This isn't just something that nobody cares about that mm. isn't being paid any attention to like they're starting to pay attention to it yeah. and this is there's serious consequences so that was like a big thing and then about a year later uh, the teams had come up with this uh, biological passport yeah. which actually came from the teams yeah and they wanted they said to the UCI let's let's do this yeah and the way I was explaining was like you know <laughs> you could 
possibly there's guys out there that could keep doing taking EPO or whatever. Yeah. But the amount that you could take was much less, and therefore the benefit was much less. Not worth the stress. For, for me, it was like, oh, good, it's not worth the stress. I'm just going to yeah. go without. Was it a big relief to see that like you could still oh, be yeah. competitive? Oh, yeah, huge. Just sleep better. It actually made me think, like, wow, I wonder if you know, I could have stopped earlier. <laughs> yeah, did it make you like think, like, oh, I was doubting this one guy. Maybe this one guy's legit. Or do you just not get too much into somebody else? Uh, I mean, most of the competitors you, competitors you heard stories about or you knew yeah. things firsthand, so. Right. Um, yeah, there's, no, there's not a lot of secrets. The whole doubting thing, I think, is more prevalent now. Yeah, it's where... Because I th you're like, whoa, that guy's... He's going fast all of a sudden, but that's is, human nature. And you, I, you know, the thing is, somebody has to win. Yeah, somebody has to win. I somebody just, has to be better. Like you see with Chris Froome, and Chris Froome, he... I feel bad for him in a way. Like, oh, yeah. I feel really when when like everything started dropping uh, with you. Like, was that hard to take? Like with the social media, like were you like? Surely you you had friends that you like kept the truth from and everything. This was it like that had to have been like a really. Uh, I yeah, think there, I, there was there I was think people that I had to tell. That it was it was the hardest part of all of it. That I call them up and like, listen. This is gonna. You're gonna start reading this stuff. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I want you. To, you know, I'm gonna tell you the whole story. We, yeah. You know, talked on the phone or for face to face or whatever. Everybody. I feel like something writers could do because you you see the press release come out and they say, um, "Oh, I'm ashamed" or um, whatever. You know, like my friends, family. Yeah. But I feel like. It's almost wrong. I feel like they should just say like they're really like, like oh how come you didn't confess earlier? I don't think they realize that you've built this uh, pyramid of friends, and you're you're not sure what friends you can lose. You're not like you don't want to lose these friends. Yeah. And I I think. But there's a there's a good way to find out who's your real, <laughs> yeah, your real friend. Yeah, but you'd rather is. not go through that. <laughs> I mean. Well, I, I, you got to look at the positive side and and all. My good friends were totally understanding. Did you lose friends? Understanding. Uh, no, not like who I would consider real friends. No. Yeah. Acquaintances, for sure. There's probably people that. Surely, some of your like your close friends, they must have just like. They must have had ideas or suspicions. Oh yeah, yeah. Friends don't normally like just flat out ask you things like that. It's yeah, not like and a, it's not you like know, a friendly I, thing to do. There was a couple friends that I told way before. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because you know. You so like, you have like a mini confession like that. Like you tell them. Like, did it feel like you could bring? You brought the guy closer, or, or did it feel? Did it feel like you get like this little moment of relief in that time? Well, that it was the hardest part of it. That you know, I call up a uh, good. I had to call him up because it was. You know, I was in Europe, and this, they were starting to talk about it in the tour, and, and uh, I didn't want to like. I wanted him to hear it from me. Sure. I'm just thinking of one person in particular. Sure. Um, it was hard, you know. I mean, I was like, hey, you know, I, I got to tell you something. <laughs> and, sure. Uh, can you sit down? You know, like crap. You know, sure. promise not to be mad. You know, that yeah. kind of thing. But um, <laughs> you should say something like worse beforehand, and then do that. You're like, <laughs> your wife's been sending me pictures of her nude. And <laughs> just kidding. It's but not just that kidding. Bad. But anyway. <laughs> That's funny. Anyway, your wife and I are 
having an affair. It's pretty serious. I think she's pregnant. And uh, you're going to be reading about me in USADA the next couple of weeks. One of those is true. Which one would you rather? <laughs> Your choice. That's funny. Uh, no, that's good, though. That's good that you didn't, that you didn't have... Like, what... Did you... Because you're on social media, you're on Twitter or whatever. Like, did you... When, when people... Because people are assholes on Twitter. Yeah. Because it's easy to be an asshole. Yeah. Uh, well, anonymous accounts or whatever. Yeah. Right, right, yeah. right. Does that... Does that bother you at all, or do you just think like, oh, fuck, like, and just block, block, block? Uh, no, I never blocked anybody. Really? Yeah. Man, I block with a fucking hair trigger. I, I figured that, um, it wasn't worth blocking them. I don't know. I just was like... You didn't want to, like, give them the satisfaction that you saw it? Um, maybe. No, I think it was just more, I mean, I started reading it. You know, when it all came out, and I was like, whoa, this isn't going to be healthy if I read this. Because, <laughs> <Right. laughs> like I said before, I mean, it's not black and white. It's not distilled down into a two-dimensional two article. Yeah. I mean, I, I, along with you know George and Christian and Tom and Lance, yeah. and I'll, we walk that path. Yeah. And um, only we know the details and what it was like. Yeah. So you can't just... Yeah. Comment in 140 characters and, and sum it all no, up. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Yeah, I think I think I can imagine it'd be really hard to like you have these moments of your life that you worked really hard for and you're really proud of, and then you're not like exactly sure like how to feel about them anymore. Like, yeah, that's it's kinda, true. You just think like, oh, well, like, that's like, why I said it's a process, a learning process, and a, a perspective that will continue to to evolve over time yeah I think cycling's pretty fucked man I think you see all these sponsors pulling out and like, I think it, I think the economy is really bad and then so when the economy is bad like fringe sport like this you know it's mainly yeah it's almost donor based because a lot of these people who get into it just like cycling yeah. they're actually Fernando Alonso <laughs> yeah they're not like Mark Bissell like we totally, all, yeah. Mark Bissell nice guy yeah but he didn't he never made money off the team. Right. He never got his money back. No, it's just charity. It really is. Yeah. So I think... But hopefully there's, you know, the, the fans out there, they recognize that, and they're they're going to be Bissell, uh, you know, they're going to buy Bissell vacuums the rest of their life, for example. Yeah. yeah. I think, you know, there must be there must be some payoff for them. I saw the, uh, at the Tour Alberta, the broom wagon was sponsored by Bissell. That's cool. But it doesn't make any sense because it's a broom wagon. Well, it still sweeps up. It they still vacuums put, up. I, I, vacuum I was wagon. telling them that they should put like vacuums on. They call it the suck wagon. The suck wagon. So you do get in the suck wagon. <laughs> like, where are you? I'm in front of the suck wagon. That is pretty funny. <laughs> I don't know. I yeah, mean, it's, you know, the, the how to feel about my career achievements. It's a little bit weird. I mean, that's how that's how it was back then. I, I think mean, you should be pretty proud of them, man. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not gonna say that I'm ashamed of it. Yeah. Of those results, but I'm not proud of what I did. I'm not proud of doping and, and oh, yeah. doing all that stuff. I don't think anybody ever. But does that mean that you know it was just a tough decision, like or or just tough situation because it was that's how it was. Yeah. I mean, you went over there. You knew that's how it was, right? 
I was in there in a weird time. I I got in just about at the transition point. Mm-hmm. So like uh, I was part. I was just at the turn, so you would hear like riders weren't fully comfortable talking in front of you. But because they're idiots, they'd still say, like, they thought they'd be... I remember one time I was pretending to be asleep in the back of a team car. Yeah. I heard a rider talking to a team doctor. And, uh... Instead of saying, like, EPO, he would say, uh, stimulation. Like, yeah. I was going to totally throw my brain off. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> how many units of stimulation? I'm just like, fuck, dude. Um, uh, yeah. You're smart enough to figure that out. I think a child would be smart enough. So, what are you gonna do now, man? Like, what's next for Levi? Uh, you know, I'm. I've always been like super proud of the Fondo. I work yep. hard on that now. Yeah. You know, it's just it's obviously not. It's not where I'm making. I don't make any money off of it, but yeah. um, I can't make a living I think off it's, of that. I think, but I, I still, think it's nice to start something. Get that you get the real charge out of building it. Oh yeah, for sure. And I mentioned a lot before on the on the podcast is that I feel like we're so used to obsessing about our performance, just anything you know, like with food, with training, every day, every moment we're thinking about how our legs feel, what we can be doing. Mm-hmm. I think when you take that, that when you take that into a job, you can outwork people fucking six ways. Probably. Oh, I mean, I just know that. Like, if you know how to dir- the focus it and direct it, yeah. you know what you're doing. All that work ethic and energy that you up. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like with those, and you move too fast for people. Like you, ha- you have to learn how to hold your how to hold back. Like with those energy bars I sent you. Like that guy, I drive that guy fucking crazy. Yeah. Like I partnered up with that. Yeah. Because he's just. He's like, whoa, dude. Like yeah, and every day I'm like expecting it to be done. Yeah, I can see that. I, I feel like a little bit when I get into the into the Fondo environment and I'm with Bike Monkey and uh, you know I feel like I want to just I come up with all these great ideas. Yeah, right, like, oh, right. we should do this and that. Right, right, right. Can you make that happen? You know. And then I'm like, and I think about it, it's like, oh yeah, that's kind of hard. I probably could. The do worst that. is when it is like a really good idea and people will acknowledge it's a good idea, but like you just don't have the time to do it. Right. Nobody has the time, right. so it doesn't get done, and you're just like, well, what the fuck yeah. am I coming up with these ideas for? <laughs> You guys, you execution's guys are, a totally different thing. Yeah, you guys are assholes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just giving you gold right now. <laughs> Where's the roller coaster idea that I had yeah. to put at the start line? Dude, how many people would we get to the Fondo if we had a roller coaster? This would be amazing. Yeah. Now people have a place to put their kids, petting zoos. Why is there no roller coaster at the start? I'm sure Odessa could work on a petting zoo. I told zoo. you that last week. Didn't you, couldn't you get it done in a week? <laughs> I don't think it's that hard. I'm pretty sure I could just look on the internet and buy a roller coaster. <laughs> So you're doing the Fondo? Yeah, Odessa is, uh, she's working super hard because she's launching her own clothing line. Like really? women's clothing, yeah. Wow. She's got a couple like samples. No, no, clothing. clothing. She's got a scarf, a jacket, and like about, what, she's got a couple long sleeve tees and a short sleeve tees. Wow. And What's it's the name of the line? Big deal. Lucky Gun. Lucky Gun. That's pretty cool, man. Yeah. So but beyond that, you're just like, you know, I told myself when I finished that I would take time off. Yeah. Because I just needed to unwind. Yeah. I was, you know, I'm kind of a high-stress guy. <laughs> or I was. Not so much right now, because, uh. you know, I've got time off, but especially towards the end, it was just stressful. Like, I think you, 
you know, you build up expectations for yourself, build and build over time. Yeah. You're only as good as your first result, and you know how it is. Did you, when I first kind of started getting out of the sport, not having that immediate goal, like, oh, well, you know, it starts at the beginning of the year with training camp or the next race. Yeah. Did you get, like, that, like, unmoored, like, depressed? I got almost depressed for a while because yeah. I didn't, I would wake up in the morning, start to ride, but then I didn't know why I was riding. Yeah. I didn't know where I was going. I didn't know what I should be doing, and I just would go home, and you're just kind of like, yeah. Hmm. Did you get that? Oh, I get, yeah. I get it, like, if I start to take too many days off or short days, yeah. then I feel like a change in my body. But if I go, force myself to go out and ride, and, like, do a good ride, yeah. I feel much happier. I found that I have to ride with people now. Whereas yeah. before, I didn't like to ride with people because yeah. they weren't doing what you were doing. Yeah. But now, like, if I'm not riding with somebody, I'm just like... Well, you know, Pete lives here. Pete Stetton lives yeah. here. And um, uh, Julian Kyer's been here a lot. So. Yeah. I just go out and follow Pete around. I just yeah, right, get on right. his wheel up the climbs and, you know, I'm happy. Yeah. Like, okay, I'll do whatever you do. Sure. And that kid gets me out the door, keeps me, yeah. you know, keeps me fit. But eventually I'm going to have to set a new goal and do something else. Yeah. Well, good luck with uh, whatever that is, man. Yeah, thanks.